Oh, yes, it is. We are back for another Sunday. Anytime you want to contact uh, Savannah, no problem. 416-216-5910. We'll get to a bunch of email today. That is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And uh, while you're there online, always check out injurycalculator.ca, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But we always start with the week that was. Uh, give us a couple. Well, uh, this week was, again, very, very busy, John. And uh, actually, there is a case that I want to talk about. It's a case that came out uh, this year in April. Uh, and, you know, in, in my practice, we always celebrate when there's a good decision that comes out, especially a decision that helps uh, people out there who've been injured mm-hmm. uh, in car accidents and slip and falls, etc. Well, this is a decision out of Ottawa. Uh, it's a jury decision. So this thing went all the way to, uh, to court, to trial. And again, I want to emphasize most of these cases never see a courthouse. In no. fact, over 95% of these types of cases resolve way before it ever reaches court. Uh, but this one actually ended up getting to court, and there was a verdict that exceeded $3 million. And, and the facts are actually quite interesting. You're dealing with, uh, with an individual who was a tow truck operator who was re-rendered uh, by a transport truck in 2007. Wow. Uh, and, and, you know, he had a variety of injuries, but essentially the diagnosis was chronic neck and back pain, as well as, uh, a, you know, a... a psychological overlay, so an adjustment disorder, depression, things that you Mm -hmm. oftentimes see uh, with car accident victims. And in this case, uh, this individual uh, who was working before the accident, his income wasn't uh, that that stable. Uh, But despite that, uh, the the jury found in his favor and, and found for him for over $3 million, including $225,000 for pain and suffering, general damages, as they say in, in, in mm-hmm. legal lingo. Uh, and, and again, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the lesson here? Well, the lesson is that uh, good prevails as far as I'm concerned, which means that the jury here, six people from the street who listen to all the evidence uh, in a typical type case that you see out there where people say that after a car accident, they have neck pain, back pain, you know, chronic type issues, uh, depression, mm-hmm. these kinds of things you can get significant awards. Now, I don't want people out there to think that if they had a fender bender, they're going to be entitled to millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, this isn't the American McDonald's. It's not, it's not one of those. No, it's not a, <laughs> a hot uh, coffee that was spilled on your lap. But, but having said that, very important for people to know that uh, in many of these instances, uh, you are entitled to compensation when you are injured. It's just a question of how you frame the issues on you know, what documentation you provide to the insurance company, to the court. And, and at the end of the day, if you really suffered injuries that are debilitating, and by debilitating, I don't mean that you're paralyzed. I mean that you have difficulty earning income, mm-hmm. that you have difficulty doing things around the home. Perhaps you have family members who are now helping you quite a lot, whereas before the accident, you were completely self-sufficient. That's what actually happened here. The, the, the jury found that he, this gentleman actually needed a lot of help with, with basic tasks around the home. So that's very important for people to know that you can get compensated for that. Of course, every case uh, is fact-specific, but, you know, it's a fantastic judgment. Over $3 million in Ottawa, uh, you know, this is not a lottery case. This is He didn't win the lottery. He got exactly what the jury said or, or thought that, that he deserved. And it's funny, the, the thing you mentioned about there with the, with the dollar sign, this is something we talked, uh, talked about last week. Everybody thinks pain and suffering is the big, the big number. Well, that was only 250000 of that, right? Yeah, 225 Yeah, there's still another, what, $2.75 million out there. Well, exactly. Absolutely. And in fact, the jury awarded him, and he was 51 uh, years old at the time the trial took place, uh, approximately $2.1 million in future care. What does that mean? It means in terms of treatments that he's going to need into the future. Hmm. Uh, That's including 
what's called attendant care of 1.45 million. What's attendant care? It's, you know, if you need help doing things that, uh, like bathing, you know, various things that otherwise you would be independent right. uh, before the accident. In this case, they found obviously that he was significantly injured as a result of this accident and awarded him a huge sum of money. And keep in mind, they didn't do this blindly. They did this after hearing a lot of evidence, a oh, lot for of sure. expert testimony. Uh, you know, this is not one of those cases where, oh, you know, they just like the guy and therefore award him all this money. No, they found that he really deserved it. Let's, uh, before we take a break here, let's get into injurycalculator.ca. What do you say? Well, again, a beautiful tool. We've talked about it now yep. for a few shows. Uh, it, it's one of a kind in Canada, as far as I know. My team and I have worked on it uh, for quite a while. And what it is, is it's an online tool. It's anonymous. It's free. It's quick. It allows you, if you were injured in an accident, whether it's a car accident, mm-hmm. a slip and fall, uh, something you know, where you were injured as a result of someone else's negligence, it allows you to go to this tool, uh, input a few uh, pieces of information, such as what, it, what injury you sustained, if it's chronic or not, are you still having issues, is it affecting your income, your age, etc., and then it gives you a basic range, a range of what you could potentially be entitled to for pain and suffering. Again, very, very important to note that this is for your pain and suffering. So perhaps you're now uh, unable to work as you were able before the accident. Mm -hmm. Well, that's in addition to what this calculator is telling you that you may deserve for pain and suffering. And again, I keep saying may because every case is specific on its facts. But it's one of a kind. There's never been, as far as I know, a tool like this in Canada. It's based on a survey of Canadian cases, case law where other people who have been injured went all the way to trial and judges have said, here's what you're entitled to. So this is what this tool does. It allows you to effectively get an idea of what kind of pain and suffering damages you may be entitled to for your injuries. It's a ballpark. So uh, a ballpark. when you when you you know get down and boil it down to your specific injury, it might be a range of 40,000 to 90,000. You right? got it. That's exactly. Why. Exactly. Yeah. But, but at least you'll know. I mean, most times, yeah, the, right. one of the biggest complaints... Uh, uh, most frequent complaints that I get, uh, you know, when people go to various lawyers is that no lawyer wants to commit to how much you're supposed to be right. getting at the end of the day. Uh, and I understand lawyers for doing that. I'm also hesitant in, in saying, listen, this is, this is what you could be looking at at the end of the day. But what I can do is I can tell you in other cases, in my experience, here's what this person with this type of back pain, with this type of shoulder injury, with knee injury, here's what they are entitled to or, or courts have said that they're entitled to for their pain and suffering. Of course, we'll look at all the other components of compensation later, but in terms of pain and suffering, you know, I, I, I never have a hesitation in, in giving this information out. You know what? We're going to uh, put, it through its, uh, put it through its paces when we, uh, after we take a short break. We'll run through a, a mock scenario and get put the calculator to the test. What do you say? In the meantime, drop us an email. We'll get to some after the break as well. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And anytime, Savannah's number 416-216-5910. Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. And back at it, we are help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, 416-216-5910. That is Savannah's direct number at the uh, at the firm. And injurycalculator.ca, you want to check that out. In fact, we're going to go through it right now. We talked about it before the break. Give you a right. ballpark of what your uh, pain and suffering could be worth. For any given injury, so let's uh, let's run, put it through its paces and show people how it works if they're not online or at least getting online with it right now. Again, injurycalculator.ca. So, um, well, let's go try for it out yep. and let's see how quick it is. Okay, so you put in the accident date. So let's okay. say that uh, it was, May first. Let's say May first. Sure, okay, perfect. Got that accident location. Let's type in Toronto. Toronto. Yep. How old are you? Let's say forty. Forty. Okay. Uh, cause of your injury, let's say car accident. Car accident's a good one. Someone else is at fault. We're mm-hmm. going to click that. Yep. Did the injury affect your income? Let's say yes. yes. 
uh, and then you continue on. And then you have a list okay. of, of types of injuries. So you're supposed to then select the primary injury. Neck. Is it your neck? Okay. So yeah, you have neck, head, thing. back, shoulder. So you, let's say you say neck. Yeah. You click continue. It asks you, are you dealing with a sprain, strain, or bruising or a fracture? Uh, let's go sprain. Sprain. Okay. Yeah. And that's very common yeah. and typical sure. in a whiplash injury. And then it asks you if you're experiencing chronic pain. Yes. Okay. So you click on that. All right. Well, then it spits out the notice, of course, tells you that uh, this is for pain and suffering yep. only. Gotcha. And it says that according to the survey of Canadian cases, you may be entitled to 40000 to $80,000 for your pain and suffering. Look how quick that was. It was extremely right. quick. And again, keep in mind, this is not just me telling you that this is what you deserve. This is based on a survey of other cases where people have had that, that kind of an injury. And again, the 40000 to 80000 it gives you a range because it depends on the case. It mm-hmm. depends if you're dealing with someone who, because of that injury, is unable to do things at home now. or And that's going to push you towards the higher end, the $80,000 uh, uh, amount. Or, you know, if you've been able to live with it, you've been able to go to work, you're struggling, there's pain, but you're not as debilitated as right. the first person I mentioned. And then, you know, your damages award may go a little bit lower. But having said that, again, there are other types of compensation you're going to be entitled to. But again, this gives you that range. Injurycalculator.ca. Check it out, especially if you're uh, you're nursing a current injury from a uh, recent past accident, I guess you could say. Well, let's get to an email, and it is uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lisa writes in, says, uh, how can I make sure that the lawyer I am with knows what he's doing? Says, I have a claim now for a slip and fall accident that happened two years ago, and nothing seems to be happening on my case. I uh, broke my wrist and haven't been able to go back to work full-time. I used to be a medical transcriptionist. Now, my sister-in-law is a medical transcriptionist, and she's good for about a buck forty words a minute. These people right. need their wrists. They do. It's not only the typing, it's the words and the medical terminology, which is like, you know, the words are 35 letters long, right? Absolutely. So, so now what's she to do? Well, that, that's actually, Lisa, that's a very concerning um, uh, situation that... Uh, uh, you know that that you're in uh, for a variety of reasons. Number one, if 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 the lawyer is not getting back to you or not telling you where the claim is at, that's already a red flag. Okay, uh, you should be able to know exactly where your claim is at. You should know what step in the process you're at. If you're at the beginning stage, the middle stage, the end stage, where are you at? Uh, and generally speaking, John, when I get these kinds of emails or I get phone calls, I can assess within a matter of minutes on wow. the phone what the status is of the claim and, and frankly, be able to, to gauge whether there are any issues. You know, unfortunately, there are some lawyers out there and some paralegals out there who are just going to sit on a case because there are some issues with it. In other words, they're getting resistance, perhaps, from the insurance company okay. or, you know, they don't know what they're doing. A lot of very good lawyers out there, very good paralegals out there, but a lot of really bad ones. If your claim, Lisa, has been languishing for about two years, and and I can tell you right now, just based on what you wrote, the fact that you broke your wrist and you're a medical transcriptionist and you can't work full-time, you're probably sustaining then an ongoing income loss. Mm -hmm. In that kind of a case, when I know that my client is reliant on on their wrists, on their hands for work, uh, I start these kinds of claims as soon as possible. Because if the claim now, and I don't know if the claim has actually been started uh, you know, in, in time, actually. This happened over two years or, or around two years ago, yeah, she wrote. Ago, yeah. Well, we have no idea even if the limitation period uh, was, was um, uh, adhered to here. And again, keep in mind, if you're injured in an accident, you have two years from the date of the accident to start a claim. You don't want to be in a situation where you have to argue that for whatever reason, the limitation period is extended. Right. And there are arguments to be made you know, in those kinds of cases, but you don't want to be in that case. So, Lisa, give me a call. Uh, it, this is, it's going to take me very little time to figure out 
the the uh, the scope of the claim, what's going on, and I can tell you what you need to do with your lawyer. And, and again, I'll tell you exactly the questions you need to ask your lawyer. There's about three of them. And, and as soon cool. as you ask those questions and you get those answers, you'll know exactly where your claim's at. Smart email to send, Lisa, right there. The number is 416-216-5910. Let's talk about some uh, accident benefits, especially with car accidents. I mean, you know, rehab clinics are full of people that have been in car crashes. Um, who covers any treatments uh, you need after a car accident? Well, John, so let's take the example of uh, if you and I are in a car accident and you're at fault for the accident, uh, we're both injured, uh, you may think that because you're at fault for the accident, uh, you know, your insurance company is not on the hook for covering your treatments. Well, they are on the hook. That's why it's called uh, no-fault benefits. It's not just accident benefits, it's no-fault. So uh, uh, if you're in an accident and you're injured, your insurance company, your auto insurance company will pay for rehab, for chiropractic, for physiotherapy, massage, all that. Something to keep in mind, and this is something that many people are a bit agitated about, and rightly so, but that's just the way it is. If you work uh, at a job where you have extended health benefits, okay. and through those benefits, uh, you, you have, you have uh, let's say, 500 bucks a year for chiro or massage or physiotherapy, you've, you have to use those that benefits first. first. Right. Those get accessed first. And that's not up to you or up to me. That's up to the legislation. Once those are exhausted, your own auto insurance benefits kick in. More questions about accident benefits I have for you. Plus, we'll get to some more emails here. In the meantime, the number 416-216-5910 is Savan's personal number. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And anytime you're online, check out injurycalculator.ca as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show here on Talk Radio, AM 640. The number to get a hold of Savan anytime, 416-216-5910. Email through help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and injurycalculator.ca as well. Very cool tool for uh, getting down to brass tacks what your pain and suffering might be worth right off the top if you're wondering you don't have to call anybody just go online and check out that particular app it's very cool Uh, talking about accident benefit questions here what about uh, medications like painkillers because they often go hand in hand with uh, with treatments right well you know it's it's the same thing here actually Uh, if you have extended health benefits that cover it and they'll cover it otherwise you can go to your auto insurance and believe it or not, they will cover uh, most medications. Of course, you have to go to them to see which medications uh, they should be covering mm-hmm. uh, or can cover. But yeah, you, you should not be paying out of pocket for those. And to the extent that you are paying out of pocket for anything that either your health insurance through work doesn't cover or your auto insurance doesn't cover, make sure you keep track of those receipts. It's, just, it's amazing to me. Okay. When I used to do defense work for insurance companies, it was, it was just amazing when I saw serious claims where you know the person exhausted the insurance that they had, their own insurance and work insurance uh, for the various treatments and benefits, and they would rack up uh, thousands and thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars of treatments, and their lawyers would not advance those claims against my client, the person who was... That's you know, crazy. It, it was no? crazy, yeah. So you know, if you're in an accident or you have a slip and fall and there is a claim against someone who's at fault for the accident... To the extent that you're incurring out-of-pocket expenses for treatments and medications, you can claim that. Okay, Very, very important to give that to your lawyer. Very important to keep track of those and make sure you keep receipts. Of course, we want to make sure that mm-hmm. you can prove those claims. Always. You said that uh, if you're injured in a car accident and can't work, uh, you can get up to, I believe, 400 bucks a week in income replacement. But after you're, seriously, after you guys are paid, what's left for the client? Right. Well, obviously, uh, I'm sure you get that question every day, I all do. day. I do, right. and it's it's a very uh, it's a very difficult situation for people who are injured, uh, particularly when it's a two income household. Uh, but even when it's a one income, even more obviously, when the person who is uh, you know bringing in the, the bacon, as, as they say, yep. uh, is unable to bring in the money, and they get four hundred dollars a week, assuming they have standard coverage. Right. Keep in mind that you can always 
pay a little bit more for our insurance and get extended coverage. So instead of 400 bucks, you can perhaps get $600 in income replacement benefits or 800 or oh, even okay. 1000 But what happens, you know, people ask, well, what's your cut? I mean, how are you getting paid? Here, here's the way we operate. Uh, if you are getting those ongoing benefits, income replacement benefits, uh, benefits for treatments, things like that, we take nothing out of that. We get paid if and when the insurance company cuts you off and we have to fight them down the road. So uh, very, very important to note because it depends. Each law office operates differently. Uh, we've, we've realized a long time ago that, you know what, it's just not fair for the people we're representing uh, you know, to take a percentage of, yeah. of the $400 that they're getting on a weekly basis given that that's already, a, 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 for, many, for many people, a huge reduction Big in time. the income that they're bringing in. So, no, we're not touching any of that. You know, and, and the reality is that to just set that up, to make sure that you get those benefits – there, there is expertise. I mean, we do do stuff in the office. We fill out forms. We communicate with your doctors. But the real fight where we earn our money is when the insurance company cuts you off, which they almost always do. Oh, yeah. And then we it's have to fight them. Right. And then we yeah. have to fight them. Well, then it's a different story. And again, you only pay us at the end. It's a percentage. But nothing from the benefits you are getting along the way. 416-216-5910. Keep that number in your pocket. That's Savan's direct number. And you want to send us an email today. It would be great. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. In fact, I'll get one from, uh, we'll get to Justin. Uh, lives right here in Toronto. Says, I was walking my dog a few months ago and slipped and fell on ice in a schoolyard. Broke my ankle, had surgery, told the school about it, but they said that I shouldn't have been walking there because it's private property. But there are no fences and no signs. Other people walk there with their dogs all the time. Do I have a case? Mm, very interesting uh, question, Justin. I actually had a case like this a couple of years back uh, and very, very similar circumstances. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this, if there are no fences there, there are no signs, uh, this is a place where other people are walking routinely. The public is, is there. It's a public building. A right? public a building, yeah. exactly. And I have schools you know, near where I live, and certainly I take my kids there, and, mm-hmm. and I see people with pets. If they didn't maintain that area as they should have, then they are responsible for your injury. Again, assuming that they didn't maintain that area. And oftentimes, uh, these, uh, these schools or school boards will hire third-party contractors mm-hmm. to come in and clear the ice and clear the snow. And they'll, have, they'll actually have contracts that stipulate when they have to come and, and, and when they have to clear out the snow. You know, is, does it have to... Be two uh, centimeters or it. whatever, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, do they have to always monitor? Do they have yeah. to monitor on a, on a, on a you know, once-a-day basis? It depends. But, you know, clearly the position that they're taking, which is that it's private property, but yet it's not gated, it's not fenced, there are no warning signs, everyone else walks there all the time, that in itself would make me comfortable in representing you in advancing a claim. And I'll tell you, that case that we had a couple of uh, years back at Mm -hmm. the office, uh, that actually was an Ingersoll. Uh, It wasn't a Toronto case. Uh, We resolved the case uh, for this lady, and also it was a very bad ankle fracture, uh, and we resolved it on, on, a, on, a, on a very good basis. And I'll tell you that. And, and you know, we, we, we got as far as, as uh, speaking with the judge. It wasn't a trial. I like was I just said, about to ask that. Yeah, because you know, you this is a school board, would this go as far as court or would no? You know, every case can go as far as court. But the reality is that very, very few cases ever get there. It, it, it's, it's, you know, the analogy is how many times do you think uh, people who go to the doctor, how many times do those visits translate into surgeries? Right. It's very rare. Yes, you have surgeries out there. People undergo surgeries all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very, very small fraction of the amount of visits that people actually make to their doctor. Right. Uh, same kind of thing here. No, we resolved the case way before court, uh, you know, was even uh, a, a possibility. And we resolved very well because the, the school board there understood that they would lose 
It was just a question of quantifying my client's claim right. for pain and suffering, for the income loss, uh, and other other parts of the compensation that she was entitled to. Take a quick break. 416-216-5910 is the number to get hold of Savan anytime help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And to have a uh, quick look at your accident benefits for pain and suffering, what it could be off the top, injurycalculator.ca. Check it out online. More of the injury, uh, insurance and injury law show coming up on Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910. That is Savan's number directly, right on his pocket. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for some emails and injurycalculator.ca. You want to calculate your pain and suffering for your injury? Give us a ballpark number, a very cool, defined ballpark number through uh, lots and lots of research and uh, building the site on the back end, really, is where all the work took That's place right. so you can benefit it in uh, just minutes. Uh, I want to talk about post-accident treatments here. Now, if you're uh, you're told to do certain treatments, but... Yeah, you don't want to, like chiropractic or acupuncture. Do you uh, do you have to do them? And how often, well, how, how does it affect your case if you refuse to do them? Well, the question of do you have to do them, the, the answer is it depends. I mean, no one is going to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. Uh, but again, it depends on, on what is the reason of, of why you don't want to do them. I mean, clearly, if you're not doing anything that your doctors are recommending, that's going to work against you because you do have an obligation under the law to mitigate. What does that mean? It means to get better, to try and get better, uh, to try and lessen your injuries. And how do you lessen your injuries or how do you get better? Through treatment. Uh, That's just common sense. And, you know, some people don't like chiropractic. I mean, even within the medical community, there's a big debate. Is is chiropractic valid? Is it not as a form of healing? For years that's been around. Absolutely. And there's different people who have different views. I mean, I have no issues with with chiropractic, but I have clients that, you know, will say no, no way. Same thing with other forms of treatment, uh, like acupuncture, for example. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you are are getting some treatments, uh, you know, following some of the recommendations, it's going to work in your favor. Uh, if you're not accepting certain types of treatments, there should be a rationale for it. And at the very least, you should be asking for alternative treatments that you can try. What if we, we'll take it a step further. What if um, you're told you need surgery, you do it, but then your condition gets worse. How does that affect your claim? Your well, client? that's an interesting question because I actually have a client that's going through that right now with a knee injury. And look, I mean, doctors are not miracle workers. They're, they're, they're human, and they're going to give you the best advice and recommendations uh, that, that they can, uh, you know, ju- just like any one of us who is a professional. And at the end of the day, if you follow their advice and you've done everything they said that you should do, you've gone through the surgery, you've gone through the physio, the rehab, and your situation gets worse, that does not uh, hinder your claim. If anything, it may even strengthen it because you right. can say, look, I've done everything I could. I've even gone to the doctors and followed all of their advice. And still. And still yeah. I'm, I'm having a tough time and, and perhaps I'm not getting better and perhaps I'm even getting worse. That's not going to be held against you. It's going to be held against you uh, if they've told you to do something. Let's say they've done surgery. Then they said you need this type of physio and you, and you ignored that advice. And you said, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, then it's your fault for not following your doctor's for advice. Sure. 416-216-5910. That's Savan's, uh, his own number, actually. Uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email. We'll get to one in a, in a few minutes here. Talk about post-accident treatments. Now, um, you're also told to take certain medications, but they may make you drowsy or negatively affect you. might have bad side effects, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have to take them? Because a lot of people would just not take them. No, no, they don't. And, and different medications affect people mm-hmm. differently. Uh, you know, again, if it's documented that you've tried them or that you have uh, a reaction to them, uh, you know, again, if, if, you've, if you've explained to your physician uh, or to the specialist, whoever's treating you, that there is an adverse effect uh, of some drugs on you, nobody's going to force you to take those drugs. Uh, having said that, think about it this way, John. Let's say you're saying that you're experiencing absolutely horrible, atrocious pain from the accident. 
uh, and it comes out that you were prescribed Percocets or other types of medications which are really strong. Awesome. And you refuse to take them. But not only that, you're not even taking you know, an Advil or a Tylenol. In fact, you're taking nothing. That's your prerogative. You can choose to do that. But when that comes out later, that you're saying that you have this debilitating pain and yet mm-hmm. you're taking absolutely no medications, if you're a third party looking at this, like if you're a judge and you're looking at this and listening to the story, what's your thought? Your thought is, well, obviously the pain can't be that bad. Right. right? Now, it doesn't mean that you're not experiencing that pain, but yeah. that's just a common sense reaction. That's something yeah. intuitive that somebody uh, from the streets, let's, let's say, is going to have when they hear somebody saying, you know, I have this excruciating pain, but yet I'm not taking any medications. It doesn't matter what the reason is. So, so keep that in mind. No one's going to force you to take medications uh, that are hurting you, that you are allergic to, that are making you drowsy and, and, you know, that are affecting you in a way that you don't want to be affected. But there are other medications. And to the extent that you can take something to help you, by all means do it. Uh, and just have that conversation with your doctor. And that's oftentimes what we see in medical uh, records. We see when people say, you know, this medication doesn't work. So the doctor will then recommend a different one. So you try a different one. And look, maybe at the end of the day, none of these medications are working. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a possibility. But as long as we have the medical records that show us this, that you've tried, again, we keep coming back to this mitigation. You're trying to get better. You are trying to lessen the pain. You're trying to uh, uh, lessen the, the impact of the injury. As long as we have those medical records that show us that you've gone through that process, uh, th- that's what's going to really uh, sway the other side when it comes down to uh, discussing numbers and Be- settlements. Because otherwise the optics look really bad, the right? optics, exactly. Right? It's, it's a, you're absolutely right. It's the optics. It's the optics. It's like this guy didn't do anything. They don't want to do anything. And maybe a, a religious belief that's keeping them from taking it, but it just looks perhaps, bad. You have perhaps. to do something. Right? It comes down to a reason. What yeah. is the reason? Again, have you tried it and, and it just doesn't work? Have you tried it and it just makes you so, uh, you know, you're so out of it that you just, you can't function at all. And so you've chosen, you know, the, the, um, the best out of two bad scenarios, you know, one scenario mm-hmm. being that you can't function at all and one that you can function with pain. Again, there has to be a rationale. There has to be a reason, and that has to be documented by your doctors. We'll take a short break. In the meantime, 416-216-5910. That is Savan's number. Write it down. Keep it in your pocket directly to get a hold of them. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll kick off the next segment with, uh, with an email from Sherry. So hang on, Sherry. We'll get to that. And lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM640. Savan has a number he's given out to you, 416-216-5910. You can use that any time to get a hold of them. And you can email as well. It gets back to you post-haste. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And any time you're online, you see what your pain and suffering is worth if you're uh, dealing with a current injury right now, injurycalculator.ca is the website. We'll get to an email as promised uh, from Sherry. says, I was driving with my husband on a DVP two weeks ago, and my husband slammed the brakes because someone was tailgating us. Well, we've talked about this. This almost caused a crash. Who would have been at fault if there was a crash, a rear-ender? Oh, boy. Sherry. Because this is that old, oh, uh, you want to get someone off your tail, just hit the brakes. Do Remember? do that. Yeah. I, I used to do that before I practiced law, and when I started <laughs> seeing these cases come across my desk, uh, you know, the answer here, well, John, let me ask you. Again, common sense. Yep. Who would be at fault here? Well, you'd think the person, that, the, the, common, the common knowledge is, well, the person was following too close. Right. That's a common charge. It's three, it's three right. demerit points for following too close. So you would assume that if they hit the back of you, they're following too close, and they're, they're at fault, but we know better. Well, we know better because in the in the civil context, so if there is a claim, if the insurance companies are involved, yes, there is no question that the person was tailgating and they were being they were driving way too close. But if you're slamming the brakes, 
is it not foreseeable? Are you not? Does it not make sense that you could potentially cause an accident as a mm-hmm. result of slamming on the brakes? I mean, isn't really that what you're? You're not trying to cause an accident, but you're trying to cause almost an accident, right? right? A situation where the other person is just jolted and, and and just keeps a distance. You're trying to shock them, warn them. You're right? trying to shock them exactly, yeah. but but you've done it in a way that effectively created the circumstances that led to an accident. So really, blame here would probably be shared. Are they gonna? Is it gonna be shared 55 25, 60, 40, I don't know, but I can tell you that if you slam on the brakes, other than potentially causing a massive accident and very serious injuries, if not death, uh, the person who was re-rendered here is going to be found to be at least partially at fault wow. for this accident. Again, not in perhaps in the criminal context, perhaps not in the Highway Traffic Act context, right. perhaps not even by the insurance companies who are seeing things in, in black and white, but in the civil context, you slammed on the brakes, you were partly at fault for the accident. So if you're injured, there's going to be a deduction on your damages award. Your injuries in an accident are such that, uh, you know, you see your normal family doctor and then you might have to get referred to a specialist. Do you have to wait for your doctor to do that or you can ask him to refer? Can you do it yourself? Because I know in this medical system, not that there's anything really wrong with it, but uh, sometimes (laughs) it takes forever and you want to move on. You want to get to a specialist that you need, right? Well, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, I I have a lot of cases where I'm dealing with family doctors on a a regular basis and some are just more active than others. Mm -hmm. Some take more of an interest. You know, some doctors, they'll see five patients in five minutes, and some of them will actually take the time. Uh, and I'm not criticizing that, except that if you're in a situation where, you know, you feel like you have shoulder pain, and that just comes to mind because a client of mine is experiencing this right now. Uh, he had a, a lot of shoulder pain, and it's been lasting for about a year since the accident. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, have you been referred to, to either an ultrasound or even an MRI, something that, you know, will tell us what's the source of the pain? Perhaps it's a tear. And he's got a physical-type job, so he could be exacerbating what's going on. For sure. And he says, well, my doctor is just not sending me anywhere, uh, despite complaining about that. Well, you have every right to ask your doctor for a consult to be sent for examinations, either to a specialist, perhaps a physiatrist, an orthopedic surgeon, uh, perhaps do some imaging like an ultrasound, a shoulder ultrasound, or an MRI, which mm-hmm. is very sophisticated. I'm not saying that you should you know, tell your doctor to send you to these tests unnecessarily. I'm saying that if your doctor is not being proactive and you know that there is a problem, you take charge. And if you have a family member that is experiencing something like this, don't just sit back and assume that, oh, everything is just going to be okay and the doctor will you know, do what needs to be done or tell me what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these doctors are just very busy and either things fall through the cracks or they don't think about it. And you know, I've had situations where I've had to tell my client, listen, get a referral. I'm not telling you who to go to. Just get a referral because clearly something is wrong. And, and you know, I've had that happen even with brain injuries where the person was experiencing a lot of memory loss and, and, and behavioral changes. And down the road, when they were actually sent for various tests, they were diagnosed with a mild traumatic brain injury. And, and again, very, very important to diagnose these things as quickly as possible because once you diagnose them, then the re- proper recommendations by the doctor can be made for treatments. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing, you know, John, when you have an injury that's, that is not diagnosed and, and you're not getting treatments, it's just going to become chronic and it's going to uh, devolve into, a, in, 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 into a, uh, a, a much more serious problem. The more you that, age that's going to play and so on and so yeah, forth. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Savannah has a number you can get a hold of indirectly. That is 416-216-5910. The uh, email, rather, is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. want to uh, get into something. Well, you mentioned fault with the, uh, you know, tapping on your brakes and, and trying to cause someone, or at least scare someone off your tail to uh, possibly cause an accident. Now, how do insurance companies decide if I'm at fault for a car accident? 
Well, for those of you out there uh, with easy access to computers, uh, just type in in Google Regulation 668 under the Insurance Act. Uh, Regulation 668, it's uh, fault determination rules. And Mm. what you'll see is you'll see a legislation uh, online that's available from the Ontario government uh, that actually dictates how insurance companies decide fault. And you'll have diagrams of a variety of different scenarios of accidents, and they'll tell you if it's a rear-end collision, who here's who's at fault. If it's, a, it's, if it's a T-bone collision or if it's another type of collision, here's how insurance companies go about deciding who is at fault. One thing to keep in mind, though, and this goes back to uh, you know the other conversation we had about the uh, person who slammed uh, on, on the brakes, the fact that the insurance company may deem somebody at fault doesn't mean that in the civil context that's what's going to happen. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because I have people coming to me sometimes where they say, you know, uh, the insurance company says that we're at 50-50, that I'm at fault, but the other driver is at fault too. But that's not really the case here. It's really him who's not, who's, who's more at fault. He's really mm-hmm. the one who caused the accident, but I can't convince my insurance company of that. Well, in the civil context, even if you were to be found 50-50 at fault, if you suffered injuries, it doesn't mean you can't recover. You'll just recover on the basis of 50%. So if your injuries are valued at $100,000, instead of $100,000, you'll get $50,000. So very important to understand that when you are uh, uh, seeking pain and suffering, income loss, mm-hmm. these kinds of forms of compensation, it, it's not like the other side has to be 100% at fault and there's no fault on you. No, there can be a sharing of fault. It's just a matter for, for the lawyers or the insurance companies to decide uh, how we apportion that fault. Want to touch on insurance disputes uh, after the break? 416-216-5910. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And check out this website, injurycalculator.ca as well. Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up. This is Talk Radio, AM 640. And we'll get back into it here in the last few minutes. Lots to cover until, uh, well, next week. You can always uh, catch us online as well. 416-216-5910. Savannah, that is your number. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. As promised, want to touch uh, before we get to uh, probably one more email this afternoon. Want to get into some insurance disputes. Now, uh, talk about red flags. What are some of the red flags that people should watch for when they're making insurance claims? What are the, uh, the signs of trouble that you could say that indicate the claim might not get paid? Well, first of all, it's important to, to understand that when we're talking about insurance, it's not, it's not just auto insurance. It's mm. travel insurance. Uh, it's home insurance, mm, uh, car insurance. insurance right. right. It's a whole bunch of different kinds of insurance. And, and you know, people experiencing, uh, experience issues with claims all the time, and they call us about them all the time. One of the three major signs or the three major red flags that I see, uh, as soon as I hear those from somebody who calls me, I, I tell them, look, there's a problem. Uh, and, and they are, uh, number one, if the claims process is dragging on for more than a few months, in other words, if the insurance company keeps saying, we're still investigating, we're still investigating, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're asking for more and more documents, something is wrong. They're digging for something, okay? Uh, it, it's not as simple as, you know, fill out the proof of loss, submit it, and here you go. No, they keep dragging the process. Uh, second sign uh, or red flag, if you've been told that your claim is now with the special investigation unit, the SIU, the SIU, or with someone like that, in other words, it's no longer just the adjuster, it's the unit responsible for investigating there is something wrong with the claim. Maybe there's some, nothing wrong from your end, but from the insurance company's end, they've obviously taken the step now of transferring it to an investigator who is supposed to dig into it. Again, very important that you get the right legal advice at that time uh, because you have to know how to deal with this kind of a situation. Uh, number three, if you're asked questions that make absolutely no sense and you're asked for records, for documents that make no sense. So one, one of the typical uh, uh, you know, ty- 
type of questions that I get uh, some clients coming to me and telling me that they've been asked is for cell phone records. Uh, you know, mm. when, when the car has been stolen, they're being asked for cell phone records, presumably to verify the story that the person was telling the investigator about what happened uh, either prior to or, or during or after the theft of the car. But again, when you're asked for those kinds of documents, I mean, that's, that's fairly private. You Pandora's box, they, you give them right, all that stuff, right? What are they digging for? So, so those are the three major signs. If it's just dragging on and on, if, if your claim is now with the investigation unit, special investigation unit, and if you've been asked a lot of questions that simply don't add up, that's something, it just seems like they are digging for something. How about this, though? What happens if your insurance company goes one step further? They deny your claim. What's your recourse? Uh, you, you should, uh, I'm not going to say you have to, but you should consult uh, an insurance lawyer ASAP. And, and keep in mind, there are time limitations here. Uh, so, for example, we talked before about how in, per, in the personal injury context, you have two years, uh, typically from the date that you were injured mm-hmm. to start a claim. Uh, if you're dealing with a car loss, like your car was, was uh, stolen or it was a write-off and you're having a dispute with your insurance company about uh, replacing it, you really only have one year from the date of the loss to start a claim with your insurer. So very important, as soon as you're denied or as soon as, as you, know, you feel like the claim is going nowhere, to consult an insurance lawyer to just understand what, what your rights are, what the next steps should be. I want to wrap up the show today with an email. This one's an interesting. One comes from Matt in Richmond Hill. Says, you know, show's really great. Love it, guys. But I was riding my bike last September up in Barrie, and a car pulled out of an adjacent street. It almost hit me, but no contact was made. Make note of that. Nevertheless, I lost control and crashed. Ambulance took me to hospital, and at the hospital, they said I broke my right shoulder. Uh, still in pain today and have issues at work. Uh, I'm a mechanic. Can I do anything since the bike contact didn't make contact with the car? Absolutely, you can. Wow. 100%. Yeah, no, Matt, as, as, as long as we know who that driver is, as long as we have that person's information, the mere fact that there was no contact made doesn't mean that that person was not at fault and did not cause the accident. Uh, so, yeah, you absolutely have a claim. Give me a call. Uh, we'll have a chat for a few minutes. Uh, I'll probably come up and see you. You don't seem to be in very good shape. Uh, and, and, you know, we can, have, uh, we, we can have a full discussion. I'll explain to you all your, all your options. And then you can go ahead and decide what you want to do. But to answer your question, yes, you have recourse. Clearly, that person was at fault, uh, and, and that person's insurance company will respond to this claim. If he didn't see the car, what happens then? He has no idea who it was. If he doesn't know who it is, then then no, it becomes much more difficult because right. then who do you uh, you know who do you claim against? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, having said that, if if you can show, uh, and again, this this has to do with whether or not you can prove that in fact somebody caused uh, or caused you to veer sure. off and to fall off, uh, you could potentially still have a claim with your own insurance company. It's just a question of proving that in fact there was that uh, third party that caused the accident. This is why you need a lawyer. You have That's to have exactly a lawyer. exactly why I need somebody get, who knows what they're doing. You know what, John? It can get really complicated right. and it doesn't help uh, matters that the government keeps changing the legislation. Yeah. So the lawyers who deal with this stuff really need to be up to date on you the current it. state of the law. Good for another week. In the meantime, the number is 416-216-5910. You can call Savant directly at that number. You can email him, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. And you can also check out injurycalculator.ca as well. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640.